Welcome back to this is the City of Geek podcast. We have returned after a nice little break again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know we keep talking about coming back a little, a little quicker than, than we have, but uh, you know, life, life gets in the way. Uh, we have a plan, though. We have yes. a plan this time to be more regular. Yeah. Are, my, I'm eating my oat bran, so we're all set. Oh, <laughs> not in that way. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we're not watching <laughs> Septic Man again. So, thank God. <laughs> Gotta go get the fucking Metamucil or whatever it was. I used to watch uh, the, the part commercials for all the prices. Right? Metamucil. I know the activity with Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> That's why I wear my, my diapers during the, during these recordings. That way I'm exactly no matter how regular I am, I'm not having to pause the recording to go. <laughs> well played. Well played. For me it's a catheter. Worked up <laughs> And I could just keep drinking and emptying and drinking and emptying at a kind of steady clip. So it works out. Everything, works everything out well. goes right back out. All right. This, this <laughs> is what happens when this is what happens when you hit middle age, ladies and gentlemen. This is what happens. But we're hey. going to do uh, one more uh, recommendations episode before we get back into the swing of things. I know last time we talked about coming back with found footage, but it'll be next time, we, we promise, uh, with maybe a little bit of a change to how we approach each a topic. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk about it when our time comes up. And come at least one of our listeners will be like, hey, that's my idea. But uh, too bad. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, Eric said it's okay to, to steal his format in some way. Um, so we yeah, gonna... brother. We, you know we love to steal shit. <laughs> exactly. Hey, and we only steal from the best. Mm-hmm. So, since we are, are six months in the pandemic, we're kind of tired of just doing recommendations. Um, and hopefully things get back to things getting back. Uh, one theater is open in for at least Regal in Washington and uh, Lacey. I'm not going down there, but I, have, I know some of my friends went down to see some movies. Um, I haven't um, stayed inside for the moment. If, if uh, it's the only one that is still open and Candyman releases, I don't care. We're going. Yeah. I us <laughs> so, get for Candyman out. and Dune. <laughs> uh, same goes for Trump card, everyone. I thought they already came out. Like, into- Oh, no. It got oh. delayed so oh. everyone can see it at home. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh boy! I'm not gonna not let that happen. So that that's still happening. <laughs> I get COVID from Trump card. I am gonna murder you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna breathe right down your throat. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we are looking at recommendations again. Some this uh, some to check out as uh, this continues on. Um, I know I have we we have our ideas already. We kind of talked about a little before we started recording. Um, but is who wants to kind of go first of, of what what to check out out there in the interverse? Uh, well, gee, I'll leap in first. Uh, so uh, I would like to uh, sort of serve out as a recommendation something a movie that is kind of a failure, but is a really super fascinating failure with a lot of kind of cool things interwoven into its failure. Um, And that is a 1983 animated movie called Rock and Rule. Mm. Uh, And uh, this is a movie that was produced by a Canadian animation studio named Nelvana Studios. And they started out uh, in Canada doing a couple of TV specials. Uh, They did sort of a Devil and Daniel Webster riff called The Devil and Daniel Mouse. And uh, they were originally commissioned to do the heavy metal film, the animated uh, film of heavy metal in 1981. They were offered it at least, and they turned it down to do this movie. 
which took him about four years to produce, and they spent about eight million bucks on it. It's one of the most expensive animated movies up to that time. Definitely the most expensive one done by a Canadian company. Um, it basically was released with next to no promotion in the States, and it completely sank uh, and basically just ended up shunted off onto home video. You can now experience it in its uh, full glory on uh, Amazon Prime. It's streaming for free. Uh, the basic shtick is uh, that uh, the world has been reduced to a uh, nuclear husk, but it's many, many, many scores of years in the future. And so uh, the rats and cats and dogs and small animals of the world have evolved into humanoid creatures and have created their own society. So it's basically like uh, regular human beings, only they've got big snouts and, you know, some of them look dog-like and cat-like. Uh, but the story follows a rock band that is playing in Ohm Town. And uh, they are discovered, or at least their lead singer, who's a female lead singer, is discovered by uh, Mock, who is the uh, biggest rock star uh, in the, this future world. And he decides that he wants to, uh, he's, he's basically looking for someone with the perfect voice to help him uh, basically bring a, a huge cosmic demon from a different dimension. And it just so turns out that this young woman who's one of the lead singers of this little indie band kicking around in clubs in hometown uh, that she's got the perfect voice. And so he it, basically the whole movie sort of it's a, it's a Faust meets Ralph Bakshi meets uh, actually a lot of really cool music. Uh, the soundtrack includes uh, songs by Cheap Trick. It includes songs by Debbie Harry, who gets to be the vo the perfect voice that's going to, you know, bring this demon back to life, which I thought was kind of a nice touch. And uh, also Lou Reed and Iggy Pop. So there's some right. serious street cred to this movie musically. In fact, so much so that that's the first thing you see in the credits after the title. It's rock and roll with songs by. And there's even like nice. an Earth, Wind and Fire song in there. Um, it's a mess. It really doesn't fucking work. Um, uh, because what it's trying to do is have its cake and eat it too. It's basically an attempt at a PG version of a Ralph Bakshi movie because it's got, it's got this sort of uh, similarly gritty touch that the Bakshi movies have, but, but with this, like the violence and the sex dialed down. Uh, and so it, it's kind of neither fish nor fowl and the plot's just kind of dumb. You know, it just, it just, it's a very formula plot line and the characters aren't terrifically interesting, but, the songs are really cool, and visually, it's really something else. It is absolutely gorgeous visually. The backgrounds, the character designs, uh, there are all sorts of creative little mise-en-scenes that are going on in the in the periphery uh, as far as the, excuse me, as far as the actual movie goes. And so it's one of those movies that is, again, it's a little bit of a mess, but there are so many interesting things in it, and you really have to admire these guys for having had the chutzpah to have uh, plunked down a ginormous amount of money by 1983 standards to attempt to bring this to life. Um, I would have loved to have seen it on a big screen. Uh, unfortunately, it never made it that far, at least not in America. Uh, or if it did, it, it basically sank without a trace. Uh, there was a uh, DVD and Blu-ray that came out a few years ago that's now out of print, but you can see it for free on Amazon Prime. And uh, it looks like a pretty decent print. Uh, I'm actually a pretty big fan of the soundtrack. You know, I'm familiar with the Cheap Trick songs. I'm familiar with the Debbie Harry songs. And 
having Lou Reed be the musical, if not the actual speaking voice of this um, decadent rock star character called Mock, M-O-K, uh, is an inspired touch. And it never 100% works, but it's never anything less than wildly watchable. So if you're the kind of person that's interested in um, noble failures that are super interesting and watchable, this is definitely one. Um, I, I highly recommend it from that standpoint. I was incredibly entertained by it, uh, even as I was wincing at, at like the many like false starts and, and uh, you know, uh, dead end character leads and so forth. It, it's really worth checking out. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my strangely impassioned uh, recommendation. Uh, number one is uh, Rock and Rule, uh, made by Nelvana Studios in 1983, streaming on Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's one I, I haven't seen. I have a, a big, like, I don't know, one of my big blinders is more, of course, it's more kid-based, the adult animation of that, like Wizards, Fire and Ice, things like that. Yeah. I just completely missed uh, somehow. And I just need to kind of, like, sit down like, yeah. one weekend and watch all those, Fits the Cat, other Ralph Baskey stuff. Both, both yeah, I, uh, yeah. one of the things that's really interesting is that the movie is a flagrant, it really is a flagrant homage to Ralph Bakshi. Uh, if you've seen Fritz the Cat, Ralph Bakshi's version of Fritz the Cat, there are three incidental characters who are kind of thugs that work for Mock, uh, who all kind of talk like this, and they're kind of stupid, and they're really big. Um, it's a direct ripoff of the cops, uh, the pig cops that are walking around in uh, uh, in uh, Fritz the Cat, and a lot of this, a lot of the kind of backgrounds and stuff are a very gritty, dirty sort of city. Uh, city atmosphere and yeah the backgrounds are impressive and beautiful they're futuristic but they're very dingy so um, you know there may be a little bit of uh, Blade Runner influence in there in terms of the, of the look of the movie which is an interesting thing although they started production before uh, Blade Runner came out so for all I know some of this visual ingenuity may have been something they you know dreamt up or riffed on from say the heavy metal magazine which I think is probably a formative visual influence on it too. Yeah. For um, so yeah. From that era. Yeah, heavy metal is great. Yeah. I have seen heavy metal and have that soundtrack. Um, it's uh, it's, it's really, it's really, again, it's a very interesting failure and I really enjoyed watching it. Um, another little bit of trivia about the movie, Nelvana studios, one of their earlier uh, animated triumphs was uh, they were responsible for the animated sequence uh, in the Star Wars Christmas special, the Boba <laughs> Fett, the introduction to Boba, <laughs> Boba Fett, which I think a lot of people will, would agree is one of the few kind of semi-interesting and not completely failed elements of that Christmas special, uh, if you happen to have caught a bootleg of it uh, or anything along those I'm lines. I'm sorry, so. but uh, fucking Chewbacca's dad jerking <laughs> virtual sex partner that is cinematic history <laughs> I, I love Tell me some, about uh, holiday special for all the wrong Tell me about that. and music <laughs> and a musical number by jefferson starship yeah no, and can't be art and be arthur as a fucking you know cosmic bartender in a cantina yeah and, that's uh, a pretty choice mark stuff. hamill and um Carrie fisher both coked out of their i was fucking gonna say the, the, the amount of yeah <laughs> yeah damn straight yeah uh, <laughs> so there's, yes that's my that's recommendation number one and uh and aside to heavy metal um there's a show that was on netflix last year called love death and robots absolutely fantastic which originally was supposed to be heavy metal and then things didn't work out 
Uh, so it's very heavy. If you do like heavy metal, check out that and you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Um, uh, who wants to head up next? Uh, I'll go. All right, Kim. Uh, so my recommendation is one that I watched uh, for 100 Days of Horror. In fact, I still need to post about it today. Uh, it was a recommendation from Jennifer Lovely. Yay! Yay! Uh, and it's a movie called Witch Hunt. It came out in 2017 because there is more than one movie that bears that title. It is streaming on Amazon Prime. And it's, you know... Uh, it is a little uh, a, a little indie film. Um, the basic plot is these these five young women who come back together for uh, a birthday party, and most of them were friends since they were very very little. And uh, the birthday girl gets a board game called Witch Hunt, that was a thing when she was a kid, and they start playing it, but. And the, the whole premise of the game is, you know, oh, try to figure out who the witch is. It reminded me a lot of uh, the game Mafia that I play in my theater campus. Oh, yeah, and I, I was looking it up online trying to see, and it looks like there are a couple variations that of card games and board games that were kind of inspired by this, or, or that this was probably inspired by. But as the evening is going on, some weird stuff starts to happen, and they start to get paranoid, and you learn a little bit more about their history, and... It, the game kind of becomes a little bit too real. Um, it's it's a super, super indie movie. And, you know, I it's not one that I probably would have picked myself necessarily only because, I don't know, I've watched a lot of crap for 100 Days of Horror this year and uh, a, a lot of, of indie films. Although, you know, that it's... I shouldn't say that because a couple of the few surprises and movies I've liked have been super indie, but it is, it's very low budget. You know, um, the acting is, is at, at times a little inconsistent, but it's really enjoyable. The plot's interesting. Uh, it's, it's a female driven plot too. You know, it's, it's a f all female cast. Uh, and I really dug it. It was, it was different. Like it's, uh, there was just something really compelling. I was highly entertained and, and it pulled me in really quickly. Like the first couple minutes I was like, mm, I'm not sure how I feel about the acting, but once it gets going, it's really solid. Uh, so I'd say, you know, anyone who it's, it's very psychological, um, character driven, anyone who needs something maybe a little different, uh, check this out. It's, it's, it was a surprise. It was a pleasant surprise. I love the idea that you play something called Mafia because all I'm imagining is you like garroting a child. Any <laughs> play. Okay, and uh, sorry out there, folks. Uh, we had a little internet connection, and Kim, the last bit of Kim's talking about <gasps> about our show about was it Witch Hunt or would we move on to something before then? We took a little breaks, and I forget where we were at. <laughs> I was talking about Witch Hunt, but I I don't recall when it cut out exactly. Yeah. So I will oh. just say watch witch hunt it's streaming on prime and it is a good time yeah unfortunately we lost connection and in that connection loss looks like we have lost cody hopefully he'll join us again uh so he can give us a recommendation because he hasn't done that yet Hello, uh, if, if we can't get him back on here we'll do throw in a couple extra from our end uh to to make up for for cody um unfortunately have to find the worst the worst right if cody's just in this later you know you know that's what you recommend <laughs> oh, of course yep yep <laughs> 
Uh, but while we wait to see if we can hear from him again, uh, I guess I can give mine here. Uh, I've been debating which way to go, whether something really positive or something really uh, disturbing and negative. Um, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to go positive uh, here with um, this is not a horror show at any means. Uh, it's not even a science fiction. So it's not genre at all, but I'm rewatching it. And I know a lot of people out there have seen it, but some people need that little push. Um, but because I'm rewatching it now because it's a feel good show ultimately, uh, is The Good Place. Oh, yeah. Um, which oh, I know it's, it's a massive following, you know, uh, but uh, people, some, people, some people are still on the fence about joining up, and uh, I'm recommending everyone does because uh, it, it is an astounding show that goes well past uh, the basic understanding of the write up for wonderful character work, actual character growth, amazing writing. Uh, that continually reinvents itself and its purpose throughout the way. Um, the basic premise uh, is uh, Kristen Bell uh, plays Eleanor Shellstrop, a uh, Phoenix, Arizona dirtbag who gets killed and wakes up in uh, the good place where, you know, heaven essentially. Uh, though it's not quite the same thing. Um, and, but she, as a dirtbag, has lived an awful life. So the life that she's told that she's lived is not the one that she is. So it creates this whole. Uh, quandary of I'm supposed to be in hell, supposed to be in the bad place, but I'm in the good place. And how do I deal with this? Um, and she meets up with a guy named Chidi, who's up there, who's an ethical uh, ethical professor, more more philosophy professor. Um, so so he so he she makes him teach him teach her how to be good. Um, but and, but this, that's a very basic setup there. And the, what's wonderful about the show is it really builds and it is. Uh, serialized uh, something this from many networks many people could be uh, could be episodic where oh what thing is Eleanor going to get into this week that she gets out of but no it actually builds from episode to episode from character to character along with uh, a bunch of other great characters who come in and uh, it's with so many great twists so many great ways of it's, it's really a show about more philosophy uh, about Kant and or Kant sorry uh, yeah Kant and all the other ones who I can't think of the names at the moment because I'm tired as hell um, and approaching those in this very digestible manner and the different philosophical conundrums that you come up with along the way of all these different things coming in and how do you approach those and how do you get better as a person um, ultimately the show is about what do you owe yourself and what do you owe other people um, and making yourself a little bit better every day. There's something, there's a line in season four. Uh, I'm not going to say who says it and why, but he does says, uh, but, but the line is about uh, every morning and wake up and make the world a slightly better place. Um, and it's uh, filled with wonderful performances from, uh, you know, from Kristen Bell uh, and Ted Danson, who's wonderful to see on TV again. He's always gives everything. Uh, but I definitely want to give a shout out to Darcy Corden, who plays Janet, who is um, essentially a Siri, Alexa, Alexa type. Uh, she's not a robot, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> helper in the neighborhood. Because what is it? The good place is a neighborhood with, 200, with about 330 people there. Um, and she's kind of the know-all for everything. She runs a neighborhood, knows everything happened on Earth. Um, and it brings a lot from that. And I'm, I'm being purposely very vague about anything that happens. Uh, because there's so many great reveals and and changes that you do see coming, but also you don't, because the writers are very aware of what they the, the audience expects, where they think the audience thinks something might go. So they're really aware of that. So all the twists and turns are thought of ahead of time about you know seven different steps 
from Michael Schur and the rest of the group. Uh, Michael Schur is the creator and showrunner of The Good Place. He also created Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Both amazing shows. It was also great character growth and uh, different takes on what could be a standard sitcom to a different manner. And of course, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a great show, but it is propaganda. Get that a minute. <laughs> uh, in, in this times, uh, it's something we definitely need to think about. Uh, and the, the, you know, the creators of the show, everyone working on it, uh, said they threw out the entire season they've written for season eight and restarting from scratch uh, with everything going on, um, re- readjusting the show. Uh, so they they can be relevant and still have something to say. Um, have either of you two watched The Good Place? No, I've heard phenomenal things about it, but no, I have not seen it. I watched the first season. I haven't caught up with the rest, but I did watch the first season, yeah. And um, from what you know from the first season, where it goes in two, three, and four, because there's only four seasons, they cut it off in season four. Uh, instead of dragging it on to oblivion, uh, they at some point they said, we need to know where this is going to go, and they kind of wrote out so it goes there. Um, and it, it's continually surprising, continually smartly written, uh, well-performed, and still funny as hell. I've watched it through like three times now because <laughs> it's really easy to watch. You can sit there, 10 episode seasons, 12 episode seasons, um, and they're all 22 minutes, 25 minutes. Um, so it's really easy to binge and realize that you're like, oh crap, no, the season, because we just finished season two again right before we started recording today uh and we actually started season two like the other day <laughs> uh because it just flows really well into each other because the you know the, the serial storytelling um makes it one big story rather than breaking it up to a bunch of smaller things uh which also which unfortunately also makes it so you have to watch in the beginning if you're going to really follow it um but yes, uh, it's on Netflix seasons one through three. I'm not sure four is on Netflix yet, but it likely will come up there soon. Uh, I'm betting it won't be too long. Cool. And that was that was hard to talk about without giving away much. Mad so. <laughs> props. You gave a good spoiler-free assessment. Uh, well, we don't have Cody back yet, uh, so it's possible he's having some internet issues and we'll not I be able to. I see by the. I see by the. Yeah, clock like wall, us here, so. He's not going to be able to join us. So, see, that's just more for us. More for I'm going to ask him if he has you, the recommendation, recommendation I can give for him. Uh, uh, do, Tony, do you want to give a, a round two while uh, we see if Cody wants to message us with his recommendation? Uh, sure. Uh, I'll uh, make my second choice a uh, enthusiastic thumbs up and a very pleasant surprise for me. I know at least one of you has talked about this movie in the past. Uh, it is streaming on Shutter, and I just now got around to seeing it uh, this last weekend, and I was really, really captivated by it. Uh, it is a little indie feature called Headhunter. Uh, mm. And uh, this is a film that's directed by a young filmmaker named Jordan Downey. I think it's his first feature. And it's basically a, a compact little 72-minute uh, sword and sandal movie. I think it, it feels most like, um, like a vignette about a supporting character in a Conan book. Uh, only given like his own 72 minutes of runtime. And I think it's really terrific. It's a lean, direct uh, little movie about a headhunting warrior in some far off ancient land uh, who uh, occupies most of the film living his life, uh, kind of mourning the loss of his daughter who has been murdered through some mysterious fashion. 
and who is also, uh, and he is also finding himself slaughtering animals and, and uh, demons and monsters and is, uh, and so basically it, it sort of turns into a, a quest story towards the end. It's super minimal. Uh, it, is, it is like primal in its minimalness. Uh, it's something that is, uh, if it were not so artfully directed and if the lead, uh, an, actor, uh, an actor named Christopher Reig, I think that's how it's pronounced, R-Y-G-H, if he was not so uh, involving in the lead, this would be pretty insufferable because it's basically a guy walking through the routine of his day, only he happens to be an armored warrior in some far off land. Uh, the movie really makes a lot of virtue out of no budget. It's essentially a one character movie. You're just watching this guy the whole time through, but it is gorgeously shot. Uh, it is super well acted by the lead. Uh, there's a great score and it's surprisingly big feeling considering how you know really tiny it is and I was just really captivated by it. anybody who enjoys sword and sandal cinema uh, who enjoys uh, Conan the Barbarian that type of that type of uh, subgenre of fantasy really needs to give this a look uh, the only thing I don't like about it is I, I just I kind of don't like the ending I it just doesn't work for me uh, but that's a whole nother I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything else uh, other than if you are a fantasy fan, you really should check it out. I think it's, I think it's rich. It's nuanced. It's really way, way, way better than its meager budget. And it's, and it's kind of small scale has a right to be really enjoyed it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah. So I wanted yeah, yeah. to, I remember when everyone saw it back in December, I think when it dropped up on uh, shutter, but I never got to it. Yeah. I just now got to it. And yeah, I highly, I highly recommend it. I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. Kim, did you see it? Uh, no, I have not seen it yet. So that's, it's on my list to get to. I've been trying to, with 100 Days, I've been trying to kind of rotate between newer releases and, and older stuff so yeah. that I'm not just doing new, 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 but uh, it's definitely on my list to hit. And I think it's coming up my watch list because I keep weird lists. Uh, eventually I'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we did hear from Cody via, via text. So yeah, unfortunately his voice won't be on the back half of this episode. Uh, but he does recommend the Exorcist television show that was on Fox for two seasons before it got canceled and now streaming on Hulu. Um, I watched the first two episodes and was really impressed and never got around to watching the back parts. I heard it was really good and has jo John Cho in it and that, that he's not getting oh. into anything. Yeah, no, I'd watch it just for him. Well, no, that was one that I, I think I wrote off without ever watching because I just assumed it would be awful. Uh, which isn't fair, but <laughs> well, I, that's that's a that's a leap that I think a lot of us made in the context of that series for sure. Well, I and, and Fox, like no offense to Fox, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> I heard it goes some pretty interesting places, and actually ends up connecting to the original uh, original in in Exodus three, uh, which I think one of y'all recommended uh, episode or two ago. Was it Cody or was it? I think someone recommended Exodus 3 recently in one of the previous episodes. It was not me. Mm. Uh, I think it might have been Cody, maybe. Yeah. I could have been wrong, but I think he watched it recently for 100 Days of Horror for the first time and really liked it. Uh, um, yeah, well, and it was on, um, it was on Joe Bob a while oh, ago. Yeah. So which, that uh, could have yeah. been part of it, yeah. I can recommend Exodus 3, which is yeah, on Shudder. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I love Exodus 3. It has one of the best, uh, I think, most effective jump scares of any 
feel like it's it's what a jump scare should be it's not cheap it's well it's very earned and uh it's a it's a scene and i i don't want to give it away you'll know if, when it happens you'll know trust me if you've not seen it but it's a scene that i i show a lot to like some of my student filmmakers and student actors is like this is how you draw something out and build tension and, and suspense and dispel tension and then do it up again. And then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that scene is it. That scene's a masterpiece. The rest of the movie yeah. is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, but that particular scene really gets it in there mm, for some of the carp in the bathtub. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> George C. Scott screaming all over the place. Cause it's George, oh, George C. Scott. That'll <laughs> uh, love it. Gotta love it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Does anyone, um, do you want to give a rec- second recommendation, Kim? Yeah, I, I'm actually going to throw out a, a TV show as well uh, that I just recently watched. It just dropped. And it is a show called Julie and the Phantoms. And it just dropped on Netflix. And it's a, it's a show that's geared towards, like, kids and tweens. Uh, it, it's about a girl named Julie who is, a, I think she's, like, 15. And her mom had recently died. And her mom uh, was a songwriter. And she, she is a very talented singer and musician. And she would make music with her mom and hasn't really wanted to since her mom died. And she inadvertently ends up, like, waking up these three ghosts <laughs> who died these three teenage boys who died back in the 90s and they were in a band and for whatever reason when they all sing and play together people can see them she can always see them but when they're making music other people can see them and hear them so they form this little like ghost band and it's adorable uh and wackiness ensues. And, and wackiness ensues. Like, again, it is, it's, it's, you know, it, uh, it's uh, Kenny Ortega who did High School Musical and the Descendants movies, which, and again, Hocus Pocus, a, lo- yeah. a lot of Disney stuff and the Rocky Horror remake. A lot of Disney stuff. I am an unapologetic fan of the Descendants. I thought those movies were super cute. Uh, and this show is, it's a lot of fun. The music's fun. It's, it's not, scary even though there's ghosts in it it's quite silly uh i also appreciated that like right off the bat one of the characters uh is like he's getting his gay on he's flirting with this other cute male ghost and you're like yes (laughs) yes he is this is awesome so there's a little bit of representation it's a very diverse cast too which i appreciate um it's it's just a really fun cute show so if if I mean, I don't have kids and I watch it just because I thought it looked really cute. But uh, if you're looking for something to watch with the family, this is also a really great one. It's, it's very sweet. The performances are good. Uh, and it's like nine episodes. So it, you go through it real fast. At no point they ask for blood to, to keep them. No, it's around. it's it's so wholesome at times. It's all, I mean, it's, it is still very Disney in that respect. You. Although it's not... <laughs> Uh, it's not Disney because it it's Netflix, um, but it, it it has that High School Musical feel. Like it's very wholesome, um, but uh, it's it was a really good time. I needed a, a little bit of a, a palate cleanser from all of the bad horror films I've been watching, and this was, <laughs> this was perfect. It was just a, a I love silly teen movies and TV shows like Ally Mac. Man, that was a great show. I, I grew up watching that. Yeah, Alex Mackert. 
Oh, well, I'm actually thinking, that, yes, yes. The, but there's a, a more recent show, or no, sorry, Andy Mack. I was mixing oh, okay. it up with Alex Mack. Andy Mack, which is a Disney Channel show about a girl who finds out that her, this is not a spoiler, it happens in the first like 10 minutes, uh, that finds out the girl she thought was her sister her whole life is actually her mother, and shenanigans ensue. <laughs> Chinatown, um, the show. <laughs> it's, no, it's really, but again, it's really cute. It's like, I like cute teen shows. It's one of my fun little happy fluffy places. So watch Julie and the Phantoms. It's adorable. And that's on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I've seen it pop up, but I didn't know anything about it until now. Now I'm actually my, my interested in, like I honestly I know it's this different thing, but I honestly love Jim. <laughs> it's got that it's got a little bit of that vibe and it's just it's something you watch with Allison, I'm sure, and she'd probably enjoy it. Like it's it's so cute. And it's it's just I don't know. Again, I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's become my recommendation to all my like little musical theater tweens. I'm like, you need to watch the show. It's fun. It's got fun music. It's catchy. Watch it. The plot kind of reminds me of like uh, some lost 1984 like Hanna Barbera show. <laughs> yeah, it do, it does have that feel. When it's actually based on a Brazilian show. Oh, okay. Twenty uh, like 2011 or something. Uh, but it's yeah, it, it does sort of have a retro feel to it, which I think is part of why I really enjoyed. It. Well, and it helps that the three male characters died in the '90s, and so they make a lot of there's they, they, you know there's never ending jokes about that where they don't understand iPhones because they're like, what is this? And, and you know, um, yeah, there's there's definitely they milk some of the '90s humor, uh, and so that's that's a good time. But it, yeah, it's. It's just sweet. It's just a sweet show. And uh, I guess if we have time, I guess I'll, I'll just go ahead and give that second not so friendly uh, recommendation compared to The Good Place. Uh, uh, this is also on Netflix, and I know a lot of people have seen it because it was like number two for a little bit. Um, was I'm thinking of ending things, written directed by Charlie Kaufman from the book um, by Ian someone. I forgot to write that down, uh, but it is a drama, a family drama psychological horror film uh, some people say it's not horror uh but i'm mean, i i say it is i put it in my 100 days of horror other people have as well um but we have uh what we have is, is a look at failing relationships emotional inertia the sickness of memory um and all sorts of other things um it's, it's our basic setup is we have a young couple who've been in relationship for about seven weeks played by Jesse Plemons and Jesse Buckley, two people named Jesse, um, <laughs> who are going out to his, that Jesse, um, uh, Jesse Plemons playing Jake, um, going out to his parents' house uh, for a very awkward uh, dinner. It's the first time they're going to meet, but she thinks things aren't working well in their relationship. Uh, but on the way out there, uh, it's a 18-minute car, car scene, so that turns off a lot of people. Um, <laughs> where things are starting to shift a little bit. So, you know, something is not quite right here, but you're trying to figure out exactly what we have a liminal time, liminal space type thing. Um, and where it seems like there's definitely more going on than what we're seeing. Um, that's something handed on and pulled along as the story goes on. Eventually they get to the house um, and Tony Collette and David Thewis play her parent, play his parents. And oh, they're wow. very weird, very off and things are changing around them as well. Um, so there's always little, subtle and not so subtle shifts to the way things are dressed, the way people look. Um, so you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on here. And I had my own theory for a long time of what we're looking at, looking at that wasn't right. 
I'm not going to say what that theory is. I don't want to put anything in anyone's head. Uh, <laughs> but even then, when you know what what's more concrete, because uh, it's pretty direct by the end, um, uh, apparently the novel was even more direct, and the, the movie changes it up, uh, makes it more Charlie Kaufman-esque. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, but it doesn't make the, f- the first thought you have and the first feelings you get from it less valid. Uh, I think it works in that way. Even if you know more later, what you think in the beginning still works because it's, it's that well, well drawn out. Because one thing that Kaufman has done well in all his screenplays, like Turtle Sunshine, The Spotless Mind, being John Malkovich, uh, Stephanie in New York, the adaptation is getting in the mind of disconnected, lonely people trying to desperately connect to other people uh, and how they really can't um, and how that works. And that's something that comes through in this as well. Um, so it was a great choice for him to adapt this book. I'm sure he read it and like, yes, this, this is something I need to do. Uh, and he spent a long time working on, on adapting it. It's a pretty, pretty short book, what I've been told. And it comes out to a two hour and 15 minute long movie, but it moves really quickly. Um, even with uh, several very, very long sequences in one location and whether it be in the car or at the, at the house and a couple other places that they go to. Um, Kim would appreciate there's this uh, through line of Oklahoma, the musical. About it. Uh, it actually makes some really thematic um, references and connections to it um, that really hones in well, especially if you know Oklahoma, it gives you that extra level. If you don't, it's kind of a weird, it's like, oh, what's this? Because so there's a lot of people online discussing, what's this scene mean? What's Why did this happen this way? I'm like, well, I've seen Oklahoma, and I know it. That's <laughs> in Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, it's astoundingly performed. Uh, I said that last time for a good place, but Jesse Buckley absolutely kills it. Um, she was in Chernobyl as the white, the pregnant wife of the one of the first guys to get hit. Um, but she was in Beast a couple years ago, an uh, Irish film. Oh, uh, yeah. That's uh, why she was looking she, familiar to me. Yeah, she killed it there. And she was in Doolittle this year, but we don't need to talk about Doolittle. She was Queen <laughs> Victoria. Um, but she, this is the, this will make a star out of her. Like, and this is actually one of the things where if, depending on how the Oscars work next year, that could be a nomination. Um, she's that good um, huh. in this. And Jesse Plemons, who's been a scene stealer in so many different things, whether it be you know, – Breaking Bad or uh, Game Night, which he really stole the show on. Um, he he does a fantastic job as as, as Jake, the the lead. Uh, Tony Collette and David Lewis are always amazing. Uh, this is another off kilter performance by Tony Collette of of a of a middle aged woman who's not doing well. Um, as it's but it's not a copy of her role from she's Red. Type, she's typecasting. <laughs> it's working. She's great at it. Um, but See, a, the whole thing is uh, good oh no i should say I, I it's i've been on the fence like i'll probably watch it at some point because i feel like i'll have to but i i don't typically enjoy charlie kaufman which mm-hmm. i realize is probably sacrilege for a lot of people but no, I, whatever you like you like you know i I, I, j- I don't connect to it it's not that i um i just have i have trouble connecting to it and if you're not connecting to his films they are real hard to watch <laughs> so the trailers were kind of intriguing, but I was also like, I feel like it's going to be a repeat of I'm watching it and I'm just not. <laughs> Fair enough. But I'll be honest, I don't like Synecdoche New York. I think it's interesting. God, I, I didn't work. I, um, that was Of all of his stuff, that was yeah. the one that I just really loathed that movie. And Amelie says, okay, I think it's better yeah. idea. He's better ideas than he is at execution, but this case really works. Like, this is currently sitting my number four movie of the year, I think, maybe five, depending on 
uh, if you count Portrait Lady on Fire or Hamilton as this year or as a movie at all. Um, if you take those out, this is number three. If you don't, it's number four. I count Hamill film. I mean, yeah. at this point, things get like it got released digitally, but that's more because of Look Outside. Yeah. Um, well, yeah so, I mean, if you yeah. count even Hamilton as a movie at all you know <laughs> you know i would argue i would argue it was because there was a lot of thought that went into the directing of it so i would say as standalone the direction of it deserves props to look at this kind of it, it was very cinematic in how it was approached so. over that yeah anyway um, that's not but uh but i'm thinking of anything is deeply uncomfortable but very well done with this uncomfortability uh but it is you know a slower film um that might turn off a lot of people uh but it is yeah i thought it, i was entranced the entire time i did have to stop halfway through because it was like one o'clock in the morning i was really tired but i finished it in the morning <laughs> um and uh i messaged my friend riot wyatt who came to see um that crappy time travel whatever movie with us last year um and he, he was like did you finish it? i'm like no i got these ideas he's like i ain't telling you shit <laughs> then we talked about it better the next day um but it's one of those movies best to go in without anything. Like I, what I told today was way more than I knew. I knew nothing. I knew it was an uncomfortable relationship movie. That's in psychological horror. Um, some people want to, yes, it might be some people want to even call it horror, but I do. Um, Cause it was deeply disturbed. <laughs> See, I had an uncomfortable relationship when I was married. So that might be part of why I don't always appreciate the movie. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I already lived this. I don't need to watch it. <laughs> uh, relationship dysfunction. There's only so much of that that some of us. Do. Yeah, there's a lot of movies that uh, if that's what they're. It's why I can't watch. Was it uh, Marriage Story? Or whatever. I'm like, eh, yeah. pass. Yeah, pass. That's, a, that's a tough one to watch. Nope. Even I'm in a happy relationship, but no. it's still a tough one to watch. You know. Yeah, there's some I'm just like that's a hard pass for me. I don't. I don't need to watch fiction of what I lived. <laughs> I literally waited to like the day the Oscars were on to watch that. Yeah. I was, I was just waiting for the last minute. It's like, this is going to be tough. I'm not going to watch it till I have to. <laughs> it's fantastic. I, but yeah, I don't know if I'll revisit it. It's good. I watched the, being, answer, probably alive, will. the <laughs> being Alive section. Linny sent it to me. She sent me a video just of uh, Adam Driver singing Being Alive. <laughs> She's like, you don't want to watch this movie, but you want to watch this. <laughs> Even if Adam Driver doesn't want to watch that bit. That's when he got up and left that interview because they showed that bit. Uh, <laughs> uh but yeah all right well uh, unfortunately we didn't get cody back but he did uh, note the exorcist so hopefully uh i actually i'll probably end up checking that out very soonish i've been meaning to maybe that's the push i need to finally do it yeah at some point i definitely need to but i have a lot of <laughs> i have a lot of stuff i have to watch right yeah. now <laughs> There's so many options before us. Mm -hmm. yeah, this year actually had this year's had a lot of uh, like good. I guess getting ahead of ourselves for the end of the year or whatever. But like it was as you see in 100 Days of Horror, people posting on on the Facebook group. We have had a lot of like really great mid range uh, budgeted uh, horror films coming out that are getting more eyes on them since they can't go to theaters. Uh, so they're watching these movies that are popping up on Hulu and Netflix that probably would have just gone right past too soon. Like one br and and wretched and because wretched's really good um and a whole bunch of others flew one of the ones i can't think of at the moment um i watched the soul collector today which wasn't streaming but it's really good too um but yeah <laughs> cool but cool uh so i guess we'll try and catch in if not next week not long after that to do the back to standard even though everything's not standard outside yet <laughs> in the least 
Yeah, especially here because we've got the double. We've got smoke as well. Yeah. Uh, yes. Smoke oh, and coronavirus. And smoke so thick you can taste it. It's a winning yeah. combo. Amen. It's it's something else to walk outside and not realize that um, there are wildfires pushing smoke over and thinking, wow, somebody's barbecuing. That's <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. And, and before I knew that, we had a window open and we smelled it like, someone cooking? And then yeah. I got a bunch of notifications about it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. real life horror. We don't talk real life horror. Well, besides Kim's serial killers. But, yeah, um, yeah. And there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to hear Kim talk about serial killers, uh, by the time this comes up, it should be about a day or so after this, it will be uh, your teen crew time, right? Yeah, uh, this this Sunday, September 20th, we're covering Israel Keys. You can still buy tickets at spookedinseattle.com. It's at 4 p.m. Tickets are $10, I think. $10. And you get to hear about a real creepy serial killer. Yay! And I'll, I'll be listening. I'll be there. So uh, Bob then- will be there. <laughs> Then, of course, uh, your regular podcast with Ghoulish Tendencies. I think we spoke to that earlier. But yep, we've, we've plugged that before. We just <laughs> released a episode on uh, – oh, crap. What was the episode we just did? About the, 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 what, the German farmhouse. Or, oh, Hinterkaifeck. Yeah. I was like, it was my episode. I should know this. <laughs> uh, yes, our episode that just came out was Hinterkaifeck, and we're gearing up for a pretty intense October because we are doing a release a week for October. So you're going to get – instead of two episodes a month, you are getting four – Including Woo-hoo! double parter on Lizzie Borden. It's oh, a nice. serial killer palooza. Palooza. <laughs> so check that out for some real life horror, along with the recommendations for horror and non horror that we went over tonight. Uh, thank you everyone for listening, and uh, of course, like, comment, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Uh, listen to worst movie of the year, even though it's taking a break at the moment, uh, as you know, as I'm super busy. Um, listen to Ghoul's Tendencies. Uh, don't read Aladdin, Strange Eons, a bunch of our friends. Um, and find us 100 Days of Horror on Facebook and tell us what you're watching. Uh, thanks, everyone out there. And uh, we'll see you guys next time at City of Geek. Bye. Bye. Bye.